Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Indians 5, the Chicago White Sox 3. The Cleveland Indians win it on a walk-off home run in the 10th inning, and they clinch a playoff spot in this expanded 2020 postseason. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played, and I would be shouting from the rooftops right now, but like the show is called Cleveland Baseball Mornings, I record this in the morning. And my, to be honest, my wife and dog are sleeping upstairs, so there won't be any shouting from the rooftops this morning, but there will be a lot of good analysis about the game yesterday, about everything that went down, about Jose Ramirez, about Cal Contrill. So we got a lot to talk about here. Let's get into it. How did it all go down? Well, the Indians decided to have themselves a bullpen yesterday, game yesterday, and uh, that bullpen game turned into... Definitely a starting pitching audition by Cal Quintrill. And he gave a great interview after the game, talked about, you know, all of, all the things you want to hear, you know, whatever the team needs me to do to help. Uh, he talked about the culture here, how the culture was different in Cleveland than it was in San Diego. Not that San Diego did, had a bad culture or anything like that, just the focus and the attention to detail here in Cleveland. Talked about the preparation that the pitchers go through and how they kind of brought him into their system and the commitment to winning. So it was actually really cool to finally hear uh, from Cal Quintrell and hear about what that difference is. You know, not that one organization is better than the other, but how the Indians go about it, what their focus is, and how focused they are on winning and putting in the work, putting in the preparation to be a winning baseball team. So a very cool interview. If you haven't heard it, go find it. Go check it out from Cal Quintrill. So he's the starting pitcher yesterday, and they expected even in the pregame, the, you know, Manning was saying, you know, maybe he'll go three innings or something like that. Well, he ends up giving you four really, really excellent innings. Uh, on the other side for the White Sox, it was Lopez going for them, and he has had a... Uh, not a not a great season. He's a young pitcher for them still. Uh, this is his fourth major, fifth major league season though, and uh, he's one and two on the season. His ERA going into the game in seven starts was over five, so it hasn't been the best season for Ronaldo Lopez. But he uh, he's a pretty good pitcher, and he had himself a decent day. So let's get into it. How did it all go down? Well, we start off in the first inning. And uh, Tim Anderson gets an infield single off a diving Jose Ramirez. And you're thinking, oh, boy, here we go. You know, the White Sox, they're going to be aggressive against this bullpen guy. Well, he gets Johan Moncada to line out. And then he gets Jose Abreu to ground in double play. And next thing you know, he's out of the first inning. And he's only thrown six pitches. So you're thinking, man, maybe it's not a three-inning game for Cal Quintrill. Not with that kind of efficiency. For the Indians, they get the scoring going early in the first inning. This is the second game in a row where we put up runs in the first inning against the White Sox. This time it's Cesar Hernandez who gets a hanging breaking ball. He got a nice slow curveball right down the middle, and he puts it out in a right center field for his third home run on the season. It's great to see Cesar Hernandez coming up with a couple of home runs. I know, at least last time I checked, he was leading the league in doubles 
Let's see if he's still leading the league in doubles after last night. Yep, 18 doubles. Leads the American League, at least. And uh, I remember early in the season, uh, there were a couple of calls, a couple of radio calls where you thought he might have had a home run, you know, driving home from work, listening to the game. You know, Hamilton giving the call way back, and it would die on the warning track or would go off the wall for a double. And obviously, we're not complaining about leading the league in doubles, but it's nice to see him get, you know, his full power potential and start putting a couple out. So his third home run of the season makes it one nothing Indians. And uh, we were hitting we were hitting Lopez hard. Uh, that was the only one that went for a hit, though, in the first inning. All right, Quintrill comes back in the second, and every inning from Quintrill is definitely worth talking about because in the second, he turns the ground ball. He gets Aloy Jimenez to ground out. He does walk Encarnacion, but then he gets James McCann to ground out, and he gets Luis Robert to ground out to end the inning. And the ground ball pitch was working for him yesterday. His batted ball numbers, 25% line drives, 62.5% ground balls, and 12.5% fly balls. So definitely the ground ball pitch was working for him yesterday. Only 25% hard contact off Quantrill yesterday, 62.5% medium contact, and 12.5% soft contact. That shows me a lot of nice, easy ground balls to our infielders, and uh, that's how you have yourself a good game. He comes back in the top of the third, gets Nomar Mazzara to strike strike out looking, gets Nick Magical to line out, and then gets Tim Anderson to strike out swinging on a pitch down in the dirt. And at this point in the game, you're thinking to yourself, man, this Quantrill guy, he is pitching excellent. He is being efficient with his pitches. He is dominating these guys. He's getting strikeouts. He would end the game, well, he would end his appearance with four strikeouts in four innings. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, how is he doing this? How is Cal Quantrill turning himself into the most dominant pitcher in baseball in his first start for the Indians? And then I got on Twitter. And then I saw how angry White Sox fans were on Twitter at home plate umpire Angel Hernandez. And it all started to make sense. Now, uh, the White Sox were so mad that eventually Tim Anderson and their manager would get thrown out of the game. Uh, that was an extra innings. They would finally get thrown out of the game. You were kind of waiting for it all game. And looking at the pitch charts, yeah, he was definitely giving the Indians some calls that he wouldn't, uh, that he didn't necessarily give the White Sox. They were way, way out of the strike zone. If you look at the pitching charts, he's got a couple of called strikes here to Johan Mancata. He's got a, to Mazzara to Luis Robert, that are way, way inside. Uh, he's got one that was a way to Mancata that was a called strike to start an at-bat. So, yeah, you kind of see it. When Plutko would eventually come in the game, he threw a fastball to Robert that was a called strike on a 1-0 count that was feet off the plate. And, uh, yeah, so uh, I think the pitching ninja made a joke that did no one tell him that they were reinventing the strike zone or something like that. And uh, Plucko had a funny response to that. Pl Adam Plucko actually responded to that tweet, which is kind of funny. The Indians were uh, the Indians were funny on Twitter last night. There were a lot of good tweets from Indians players. Uh, I don't follow most of them, but a lot of them got retweeted by the beat reporters and different things. So uh, some pretty funny stuff going on. So yeah, so we got some calls yesterday. There's no doubt about it. Go look on StatCast and go look at the pitching charts. In fact, maybe I'll even tweet out one, this one from Cal Quantrill.
We got some called strikes outside of the zone, but he was earning it because he also was painting a little bit. He was painting the corners with some of those outside pitches. Uh, he was he was pitching really, really efficiently and really, really well. Uh, what's fun is looking at the difference between Cal Quantrill and Lopez because Quantrill doesn't have many foul balls. It looks like they only fouled off three balls against him. But when you look at Lopez... The Indians were fouling off pitches like crazy, which means the Indians were definitely more locked in against Lopez. They were definitely battling more against Lopez, even though we only gave up one. Lopez only gave up one run. Uh, the Indians hitters were definitely giving him a much harder time than they were giving uh, Quantrill. So he gets Tim Anderson to strike out swinging. Uh, I think Anderson chopped at that one to end the third. And then his last inning, his fourth inning, he gets Johan Moncada called out on strikes. Jose Abreu would line out to right field. And then Aloy Jimenez gets called out looking. So that would be it for Quantrill. His total pitches on the game, he did not throw as many as I thought. He only threw 38 pitches in four innings. And when he left the game, I'm pretty sure Manning or someone said that they would expect him to come out for one more. I expected him to come out for one more. Instead, they went with Plutko, which felt more predetermined than uh, than going with your gut from Sandy Alomar. It really felt like they probably had three innings planned. He was pitching so well they gave him a fourth, but they weren't willing to give him a fifth inning. Instead, they go to Plutko. And... Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't have done that. I would have stayed with Quantrill for one more inning, at least let him come out and start the fifth inning. He was only at 38 pitches. They talked about a pitch count of 55 to 60, and the dude was just locked in. He was just really focused. Plus, if he goes five innings, he gets a win. You know, and sometimes I know wins and losses don't matter that much, but sometimes they do matter. Sometimes for a guy making a spot start like that, I'm sure it would have mattered to him. All right, so a little bit more on Cal Quintrell, Quantrill. I want to talk about his uh, pitch types and how he was using it. Opening up the count breakdown, this is interesting. So on fan graphs, they only have him throwing a fastball, a slider, and a changeup. He threw his fastball 60.5% of the time, his slider 31% of the time, and his changeup 7.9% of the time, which is about average from him. He's he's really those two pitches and then mixing in a couple of changeups here and there. Uh, the changeup doesn't look like it has much difference in velocity between the changeup and the slider, so that's maybe why he doesn't use it that much. But if you look back over on StatCast, they actually break it down a little further. They recognize that he throws a sinker changeup slider and then a four-seam fastball. That's at least the way they had it broken down. So I I never heard an interview with Quantrill to see if he if he does throw a difference between a sinking fastball and a forcing fastball, but that's at least the way they have it broken down on Statcast. So I'm going to trust MLB's statistical website here that they've got it right. And his first pitch, he definitely went with the sinker to start most at bats. There were a couple of changeups mixed, one changeup mixed in, and three sliders mixed in to start at bats but he would go with the sinker. If he got behind in the count, it was all sinking fastballs. If he got ahead in the count, then he would start to mix things up. He would go to the slider a lot if he got ahead. If he went up 0-2, he mixed it up between the four-seam fastball and the slider. 
Uh, one, two counts, he was going with a slider. Two, two counts was exclusively the slider. Now, obviously, this isn't a huge sample size because he only threw 38 pitches. He only went nine innings, or nine innings, four innings. But that is a little bit of the pitch mix here from Quantrill. So if he's getting behind, he's sticking with that sinker, uh, trying to throw up for a strike. If he gets ahead, you're going to see a lot of variety in his pitches. So that's cool. That is a really cool visual breakdown. If you haven't gone on StatCast's website, there are some incredible visual breakdowns of the pitching performances yesterday. So I'm not talking about the Indians batting because they really didn't do much against Ronaldo Lopez. Uh, the final line for... Quantrill is four innings pitched, one hit, no earned runs, one walk, and four strikeouts. That is a great bullpen opening start for Quantrill. For Lopez, he would go five innings, would give up three hits, one earned run, the solo home run in the first, two walks, and three strikeouts. But, I mean, there's nothing of event here. I don't know if the Indians got a runner past second base on the third inning, they had a little bit of a threat here. The line under Shields walks. Uh, Lindor would ground out. Cesar Hernandez would walk. So they would get a runner to second in the third, but Jose Ramirez would fly out to right to end that threat. So, yeah, we go into the fourth inning. They don't do anything. In the fifth inning, Adam Pletko comes in to pitch and immediately gives up a double to Encarnacion. And everybody who was second-guessing Sandy Elamar immediately went, what are you doing? What are you doing bringing Plucko into this game? Encarnacion doubles. Then James McCann walks. They got runners on first and second. And if things are not looking good for Plucko. He then gets Luis Robert to strike out uh, looking. He gets Nomar Mazzara singles on a line drive to Josh Naylor. But Encarnacion, we all know, does not run well. So Naylor gets the ball in quick. It's now bases loaded against Plucko. And after watching Quantrill dominate, Plucko has the bases loaded in the fifth. And you're thinking as Indians fans, oh, this is it. They're gonna they're gonna load up on us. This is gonna be it. Instead, he gets a ground ball from Nick Madrigal right back to him. He comes home for one. Perez goes to first to get the double play, and Plucko gets out of it. And you're whew, you are wiping your brow as an Indians fan. The Indians put together, they try to put together a rally against Lopez in his last inning. Perez reaches on a fielding error by Tim Anderson. Naylor strikes out swinging. Delano de Shields drops down a bunt, a bunt single. Moves Roberto Perez. It had to have been bunting for a base hit. There's no way with one out you're trying to move Roberto Perez into scoring position. So he saw something. He thought he could get a base hit. He was right. But then Francisco Lindor would fly out to left field. And Cesar Hernandez would fly out to left as well to end that threat. So Lopez gets out of it in the fifth. In the sixth inning, Plutko finally, uh, you know, it finally catches up with him. He does start the inning well by getting two outs, but then leaves what looked like a cutter up and away to Jose Abreu, and that is a mistake. Jose Abreu puts it out in the right center field for his 19th home run, and suddenly we are tied 1-1, and all that good work from Cal Quintrill uh, it goes for not because we are all tied up. I mean, oh, man, how many times have we seen this Indians offense kind of let down a starting pitcher with a great performance, right? It just, man, it really would have been nice to put up a couple extra runs for Quantrill and all the effort he put in. Instead, we're in a 1-1 game here. And you know you're just waiting for this White Sox offense to explode. You know they can. 
All right. Uh, Plucko stays in in the seventh inning. He gave us three strong innings, and in the seventh inning gets a fly out, fly out, and strike out. His final line on the day for Plucko would be three innings pitched, three hits, one earned run, one walk, and two strikeouts. So, you know what? For a back-to-back, you know, bullpen guys coming in, our, our two long relievers coming into the game, it's not a terrible line. I mean, really, he gets out of everything except for that solo home run. Uh, they would bring in the bullpen for the White Sox, and those dudes, the bullpen for the White Sox, can throw some heat. Hewer, Crochet, I think that's how they said his name, Crochet, uh, Colome, those guys. Crochet was throwing the ball over 100 miles per hour to these Indians hitters. Um, yeah, he pitched the eighth inning for the White Sox, and he got Lindor to ground out on a 100-mile-per-hour pitch. He got Cesar Hernandez to ground out to short on a 100-mile-per-hour pitch. He hit Jose Ramirez by throwing, like, the one breaking ball he tried to throw, and then he gets Carlos Santana to strike out swinging. Dude was popping the radar at 100, 101, 102. That dude, it, it was wild. I mean, he was kind of all over the place. He, uh, let's see how many pitches he threw. He threw 19 pitches. Only 11 were for strikes. So uh, it happens. I mean, we've seen it with Araldis um, Chapman for the Yankees, right? I mean, he could pop that radar gun, but you have no idea where it's going. Sometimes it's in the strike zone. Sometimes it's all over the place. And that was the same thing from Crochet yesterday. But he does uh, shut down the Indians. Shout out to Delino to Shields, who had some good defense for Oliver Perez in the uh, in the top of the eighth inning, reversing a little bit to the top of the eighth inning here. Perez was pitching, and uh, Adam Ingle lines a sharp ball into center field, into right center field, and Delino to Shields makes a great running, sliding on his hip catch to snag that one. And then what would happen next? Nick Madrigal would line out to center field, and then Tim Anderson would fly out to center field. So Delino to Shields takes the entire eighth inning all by himself. We go into the ninth inning. Nick Wickren comes in, and he battles the White Sox, gets Moncada to fly out, gets Jose Abreu to strike out swinging. That was a fun at bat. He threw him a breaking ball away, and uh, Abreu didn't chase it. They thought, the announcers thought he might come inside now because Abreu really looked at this away pitch. He really stepped out and gave it a really good look but didn't swing at it. They thought he might come back inside. Instead, Perez and Wickren decided to go back outside and throw it to him again, even further off the plate. This time he swings at it and gets him to strike out swinging. That's a fun at bat from Nick Wickren. Eloy Jimenez with single. Gerard Dyson would come in to pinch run. Encarnacion would then single. Dyson would go to third. It looked like he might round third, but they held him there uh, because Delino to Shields came up with the ball, and that would prove to be costly later. Uh, they thought they might try to run on Delino to Shields, but he gets it in quick enough, and then James McCann strikes out on a foul tip, and it was a slider away, and Wickren is pumped up. He has been doing serious work out of the bullpen lately. The Indians in the ninth inning do not put up much of a fight. Ground out, ground out, ground out. We go into the tenth inning. Remember, a runner starts at second base now in the tenth inning. Phil Maiden comes in to pitch, and it does not go well for Phil. He does get Luis Robert to strike out swinging. That's when uh, that's when Renteria and Tim Anderson were both ejected by Angel Hernandez um, because he didn't appeal down to first base. It was a check swing. And he didn't appeal. Angel Hernandez just rung him up from behind the plate. 
and the White Sox finally, that, that was the straw that broke their back. They were pissed, and uh, they both got ejected. And what did it do for the White Sox? Clearly, it uh, motivated Adam Engel because he hit a line drive in the left center field, goes all the way to the wall. Naylor can't cut it off. Delano de Shields eventually comes up with it off the ricochet. James McCann easily scores from second. And Engel, on a ball to left field, legs out a triple in Cleveland. That does not happen. The only way you're getting a triple in Cleveland is if you put it down the right field line. Guys do not triple in left center field unless Delano DeShields is out there throwing the ball in. I mean, clearly Angle, clearly Major League Baseball knows you can run on Delano DeShields' arm, and Angle makes it all the way into third with a triple. Nick Madrigal, then with the infield pulled in, would single through the left side, and Angle would come in to score, and it is 3-2-1. Does Sandy Alomar go get Phil Maiden? Nope, he leaves him in to finish the inning, because that's what Sandy Alomar does. It would be okay. Grandal would strike out swinging, and Moncada would ground out to end that. But extra innings, the White Sox are up now 3-1. to one. And as Indians fans, I'm sure as White Sox fans, there were plenty of you that turned off the TV, that turned off the radio, thought, all right, our boys got it in the bag. Let's go to bed. This game is over. Not so fast. My dad taught me at a very young age, you do not give up on a game early. You do not leave a game early. I remember we'd go to games in the late 80s, early 90s when we'd be getting our brains beat in, and we would sneak up seats so we'd be sitting in the shade. We wouldn't even want to sit near the field. We'd just go find somewhere in the shade to sit, and we would stay through all nine innings. And it was a valuable lesson because I've seen some amazing walk-offs in my day. And if you were an Indians fan that went to bed last night, that gave up on this game after Phil Maiden gave up those two runs, you missed out on probably the best finish of the 2020 season. Here we go. How does it start? Well, coming into pitch for the White Sox is Matt Foster. He gets Josh Naylor to pop out uh, behind shortstop. And I got to give credit where credit is due because Yomer Sanchez, who is the replacement for Tim Anderson, who got ejected, makes a fantastic over-the-shoulder running basket catch. That's a great catch. That's hard. Go try that in the backyard. Uh, It is a really hard catch to make. Deliner to Shields would then strike out swinging. He had no chance up there. He was getting gassed by fastballs. Then Francisco Lindor would come up. Now remember, a runner starts on second. I forgot to mention that. The runner on second for the Indians was Roberto Perez. And they didn't bother pinch running for him because his run didn't matter. We needed two runs. So his run really didn't matter. So they leave him in. Francisco Lindor with two outs. Lindor works it to a 3-1 count. And then he hits a big fly to center field. And he thought he got it. He thought he got the game-tying home run. He kind of stood at home plate and watched. Luis Robert goes all the way back to the wall, makes a leap at the wall, and just can't come up with the catch. It bounces off the top of the wall. Roberto Perez easily scores. Lindor, because he was watching the ball, had to get on his hustle. And he's able to make it into second with a double Probably should have been standing on third with a triple. If he's running out of the gate, if he's running from the crack of the bat, he is on third base with a triple. Instead, he watched. You don't watch. He watched, and he ends up on second with a double. But it brings in a run, and suddenly, it's a one-run game. Suddenly, things seem possible. The next batter, Cesar Hernandez, draws a walk. 
were they were they pitching around him? I, I don't know. You're not pitching around him to bring up Jose Ramirez, but you did have a base open. Lindor is the only guy you're worrying about in that situation because Hernandez, if he hits a home run, it's a game-winning home run, and Jose Ramirez obviously is a game-winning batter up to plate. So they walk Cesar Hernandez. It creates a force at all the bases, and Jose Ramirez comes up. They bring in Jose Ruiz then to face Jose Ramirez, and Jose Ramirez works it into a 2-2 count. He gets a fastball down and away, and he launches it. I mean, he crushes it into right center field for a walk-off home run. They are celebrating. They're dousing him with water. That made my wife laugh. His 17th home run on the season is it the first walk-off of the 2020 season? It might be. It feels like it. If it's not, please correct me. But it feels like it was the first walk-off homer of the 2020 season for the Indians, and they are celebrating at Progressive Field. And Not only was it a walk-off to beat the White Sox, but it clinched the postseason berth for the Indians. So they are all celebrating. Twitter is going crazy. My house was going crazy. The dog didn't understand what all the excitement was about. But Jose Ramirez puts the Indians into the postseason, and you know what? I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to get the Jose Ramirez MVP hype. I was a little hard on it yesterday. Statistically, looking at the stats, yeah, he's still trailing. He leads in war. According to fan graphs, he is leading leading Major League Baseball in war right now. But if you look at some of the statistical numbers, batting average, he's still trailing. OPS, he's still trailing a little bit. Home runs, he's he's getting close on home runs now. Um, hits, he's still trailing. RBIs, he's still trailing. So uh, if he's going to get it, if Jose Ramirez is going to get it, it is not because he leads Major League Baseball in any stat. He's not going to win the Triple Crown. If he does it, it's because he's going to lead the Indians up the central American League Central standings to end this season. I mean, the Indians still have a chance at claiming the American League Central. All three teams have clinched postseason berths, but the Minnesota Twins also won on a walk-off yesterday, so they're a half game back of the White Sox. If the Indians win tonight and the Minnesota Twins win tonight, we are going to flip the American League Central standings. The Indians are three games back with five games left to go, So there is still a chance, and two of them are against the White Sox. So, I mean, if we sweep the White Sox, in theory, we've got a really good chance of taking this thing. I mean, Minnesota has to play Cincinnati, and the Chicago White Sox have to play the Cubs to end their season. We get to play Pittsburgh at home. Now, there's a chance that the Cubs will have already clinched the NL Central, so they might be resting guys, which will help the White Sox. Minnesota has to face a Cincinnati Reds team that is pitching fantastic and is definitely trying to get into the postseason. So the Indians, it will be interesting. They still have a chance to win this division. And if they do, if uh, the White Sox fail and the Indians win this division somehow, I think that seals Jose Ramirez as the MVP. If the White Sox hold on, it might still be Jose Abreu. So we will see how it goes down. Don't forget, there's a few other guys crushing the ball for the Yankees um, and uh, for some of the other teams in the American League. So it's not just Jose Ramirez and Jose Abreu, but it kind of feels like it right now. It feels like they're the leaders in the clubhouse for AL MVP. So that's how it all went down yesterday. Uh, Looking at the box score 
it doesn't matter. Jose Ramirez is MVP for a day. When you hit a walk-off home run in the 10th inning when your team was down to uh, – you definitely get MVP for a day. It was his only hit on the day. Three RBIs, one run scored. Um, other for the Indians, nobody else got a multi. Uh, take that back. Fermil Reyes had two hits on the day. He was the only one with a multi-hit game. Cesar Hernandez, uh, he held on to his end of the deal. He was on base three times yesterday. A hit and two walks. Uh, so that was good for him. DeShields was also on base twice, a hit and a walk for Delino DeShields. Looking at the pitching, the four innings pitch for Kyle Quintrill. Plucko goes three innings, gives up that solo home run. Oliver Perez goes a perfectly clean inning. Remember, those were all fly outs to center field. Wickren battles. He gives up two hits in his one inning, but also gets two strikeouts. He puts up zeros in the run column. Phil Maiden gets the win. That is how crazy baseball is. Phil Maiden gets the win. He moves to 3-3, three and three, you know, after going an inning, giving up two hits, one earned run, and two strikeouts. So Maiden's ERA is climbing. It's 5-12 right now. It is getting pretty ugly. Uh, we are seeing, unfortunately, a little bit more bad Phil Maiden than good Phil Maiden lately. Taking the loss for the White Sox is Foster. The blown save goes to Ruiz. And that is your box score, Cleveland Indians fans. So the Indians are a winner. They've taken two in a row against the White Sox now. And coming up tonight, we have potentially, if the standings stay the same, we have potentially the matchup for game one of the wildcard series because it is, it is Shane Bieber going against Giolito for the White Sox. It's going to be Shane Bieber's final start of the regular season, of the 2020 regular season. So we will see what he can do. Right now, he is 8-1 with a 1.74 ERA. So it is definitely much must-watch baseball from here on out for Cleveland Indians fans. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Cleveland. It's the Indians 5, the White Sox 3 in extra innings. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm, forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings. You can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>